Blog Talk Radio.
back to Soaking in the Sun. I'm your host, Rebecca Holmberg, and I will be your guide through the next hour as we seek and soak in the presence of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for this day, this week. Lord, we thank you that tomorrow is Friday. Lord, we thank you for this hour that we're able to come before you and lay all of our burdens of the week, everything that the devil has put on us at your feet, Lord, and give it to you and trust that you will take it and use it for our better good. Lord, I pray that this broadcast, I lift it up to you, Lord. I pray that it returns to glorify you, Lord. I pray that we always remember that it is not about us, but about you and your Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I began to think of subjects to help focus this broadcast on, I began to pray. Okay, God, this is not mine. This is your show. Show me what you want me to talk about. What do you want your people to know? My first thought was, okay, the title of the show is Soaking in the Sun. What does that mean? It means reflecting on what Jesus is to me and what I am to him. It's about spending time with my Lord. So I think, what do I think of when I think of Jesus? What is he to me? I immediately think sanctuary. He is my sanctuary. So I try to do a search on one of the Bible websites that I use often on the Internet. And, of course, my Internet is bogged down. Um, So it's running really slow. So I put in the search engine sanctuary, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and not sure exactly what happened or how, but as I was reading the search results, it listed Jesus, and I was in awe, and suddenly became so clear that when someone is searching for sanctuary away from this wicked world, search for Jesus. Excuse me. So as it sometimes happens, when you think you're helping to guide God's message, he turns you around to show you something new and beautiful. So as I was researching this Jesus as sanctuary, he began to talk to my heart and make me realize what I was trying to do. As I said before, I never want this to be about me. So he led me to a wonderful article about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is and what his purpose was. I apologize if you think this is plagiarized. I assure you that I am only reading what someone else wrote. Forgive me, but it is worth reading. And the website I found was www dash gospel dash truth dot info um, and it talks about Jesus's true purpose so I'm just going to kind of read some of it to you uh, 
I did go back to the website before the broadcast tonight, and it's not on the main page, so you will have to do a search in the search engine on the website to find it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> um, so I'm just going to start reading, and we'll kind of wrap it up afterwards based on a few things. So it's titled, The Purpose and Mission of Jesus. From right at the beginning in the book of Genesis, we read of a descendant who would come and reverse the effects of Adam's death. We read of a promised seed who would destroy the effects of sin. Uh, and that's in Genesis 3, verse 15. As we continue, we read of this descendant being the focal point of the promises which God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would have victory over enemies, and that he would eventually bring a blessing to the nation, all the nations of the earth. This hope of a promised seed was known to the Jewish people as the Messiah, the Savior. Many prophecies were given by the prophets concerning this one who would come to bring men back to God. The Bible speaks of how the people of Israel were chosen by God and that he established a kingdom for them in the past. However, due to disobedience, this kingdom was destroyed. But the Bible teaches that the Messiah would be the one who would restore the kingdom once again to Israel. But this future establishment would be everlasting and the rule of the Messiah would be righteous. As a reward for following the example of the Messiah, the Bible teaches that we too can be given eternal life to rule in this kingdom. This was the purpose that God had from the very beginning, which became reality when Jesus, a name which means Savior, was born. That God would seek to reconcile mankind back to him again, as the Gospel of John records. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. The reference to the Word is of great significance. The Greek word is logos, and simply means idea or purpose. God's purpose, therefore, was centered in Christ. And so when the man, Christ Jesus, was born, the purpose, the word, became flesh, as we read of later in John. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was, therefore, flesh, born a man. He lived a life in which he was tempted to sin, like all other men. Yet, unlike all other men, he had the power to resist the temptations of the flesh. He resisted and lived a perfect life of obedience. He is the only man to have ever lived who did not sin. And that can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He fulfilled God's will perfectly so that he was the image of the invisible God. Found in Colossians 1, chapter, verse 15. 
and could say to his followers, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. We read he died a sacrificial, painful death in utter submission to the will of the Father. Why did he need to do this? Why was this in the purpose of God? Well, it was God's way of opening up a way of salvation and reversing the effect of Adam's fall. Only one who possessed the inclination to sin and yet overcome its temptations could completely could be a perfect sacrifice to take away sin. No other man could ever have done this for everyone else. Has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus then was totally unique. He was indeed the only begotten Son of God. We read in the Bible that death is the wages for sin. And so therefore God raised Jesus from the dead because he had no personal transgression. Jesus had to die to because he possessed our sin first nature. The same nature we all inherit from Adam. In death, he overcame that nature, destroying that nature that had the power of death. Because of this, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, opening a way of salvation for all who have faith in God and in the Messiah, that by associating ourselves with Christ, by belief and baptism in the gospel, we can have our sins forgiven and we too can be raised from the dead and given the gift of eternal life. The Bible teaches us that Jesus has indeed become the mediator between God and unrighteous, sinful man and that God is willing to input righteousness to us if we associate ourselves with him through baptism. This is the immediate benefit of being associated with him, that in the eyes of God we are counted righteous and are able to approach unto God to seek forgiveness of sin. However, the ultimate benefit is to be given eternal life when Christ returns to the earth. To have our vile bodies of sin, prone flesh, destroyed and made into immortal bodies. To have our natural natures we inherit from Adam destroyed and to be given the gift of an immortal nature. The promised seed then that was in God's purpose from the beginning was indeed Jesus Christ. In his first coming, he opened a way for men to have salvation and to draw near to God. And in his second coming, he will restore the kingdom of God on the earth. The next little caption is titled, Jesus was not God. We would like to now dispel the common idea that Jesus was God. When we turn to our Bible and read the word of God without preconceived ideas and without reading into the text, the idea that Jesus was God himself can be seen to not be something which is taught. For example, consider carefully this famous verse spoken in prayer by Jesus himself. And this is life eternal, 
that they might know the the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. John seventeen verse three. So we see that then that to obtain eternal life one must have a correct understanding of God and Jesus Christ. They are not the one and the same personage. Here's another passage which proves the same. But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom all of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. First Corinthians eight six. A careful analysis of history will reveal that the idea of Jesus being God in the concept known as the Trinity was not an idea that the apostles preached, but was a concept which arose from within the early church, which developed into the Catholic Church. The doctrine of the Trinity is the idea that the Godhead is made up of three personages, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three beings are all equal parts of the same being. This corruption of the true teaching of the Bible continued down in time and remained with many of these split off from the Catholic Church also adopting this concept. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, and the concept is not outlined there. Its origin will be found in the creeds of men which have become an ingrained doctrine, which people have attempted to squeeze into the Bible by twisting and reading into the text. The Bible defines the doctrine of the Trinity. We've already seen a couple of examples, but let us see what the Bible teaches in regard to the relationship between the Father and the Son. We have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. The Father and Jesus then have different statuses. Jesus tells us that the Father is greater. They cannot therefore be equal. As as we study the Gospels, we also find that Jesus had a different will to the Father and that they knew different things. This would be impossible if they were one and the same being. Consider these passages. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Matthew 13, verse 32. The idea that an almighty and eternal being would be born as a fragile baby child is not one that makes any sense at all. An immortal being having to be fed, cleaned, and taught things from scratch. And yet still be the same being that had awesome creative power. Simply seems very far-fetched. The Bible does, however, reveal that Jesus and the Father were one in purpose. And we are told that we too, if we follow Jesus, should be one in purpose as they are. Jesus manifested or showed forth the character of God. Consider this verse. Neither pray I for these alone, 
but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as though Father art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. The Bible does not reveal Jesus as a God, but as a man, albeit a special man because he was the Son of God. He was so a man with the same nature as all humans, that is to say a proneness to sin and being subject to death. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Wherefore, in all things, it beloved, it behooves him to be made like unto his brethren, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted, which means he's able to comfort those that are tempted by sin, because he also was tempted by sin and was able to um, overcome it. So he's a great comforter to to us as humans. And I'm going to have to stop here because I I think this passage is great in some facts. Uh, I do have to state, (laughs) without going too much farther into this, that some of these ideals I don't completely believe Um, as far as the Trinity. I do believe that uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are three different personages of God, uh, yet are all God. Um, And probably on another show we'll get farther into that. I just want to make sure that... um, (laughs) People are not misled by that. Um, And the Bible does claim that. I'm not real sure where this little excerpt came up with that. But just want (laughs) to throw that statement out there so no one's confused. Um, Okay. And uh, the purpose for the sacrifice of Christ. Because of Jesus' life of complete obedience to God, God raised him from the dead after three days. Jesus was raised, had his sin-cursed nature removed, and given immortal and immortal nature. The message of the Bible is that through association with him, meaning Jesus, by belief and baptism, into his name, we can also have our past sins forgiven and eventually, if found acceptable at his return, have our sin-cursed nature removed and share with him an eternal life. Um, this, again, it is a little touchy. Um, it states that through 
association with Jesus and baptism. And it's not talking about, or I don't believe that it's talking about water baptism and just the fact of knowing who Jesus is. I believe this is talking about um, well, when Jesus died on the cross, being the Son of God and living uh, tempted yet obedient nature, um, he was sent to die on the cross. And as he was on the cross, God allowed for all of mankind's sin to be passed on him. So basically all of the sin of the entire world, past, present, and future, was placed on Jesus. Which is why God had to turn his face away from Jesus at this time. Because God being a perfect uh, God could cannot look on uh, because he is so holy um, and by Jesus taking our sin and shedding his blood on the cross for us the Bible says that whoever Whoever confesses and believes in the name of Jesus that has died for our sins shall be saved. Now, baptism, and as far as water baptism, water baptism, which is what I grew up in a Baptist church, and um, we learned that baptism was a profession of your um, obedience, of course, but also pretty much letting the world know or uh, your fellows, churchgoers, that you have accepted Christ as your Savior. Um, And it does symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, so it is a symbol of faith and for that. But I believe that what really was the purpose of Jesus and, and um, the reason that he had to die for our sin was to provide us with that covering. Like in the garden, back when Adam and Eve actually entered into sin and were tempted by the devil. Um, God couldn't look on them anymore. Uh, because they, they you know, had sinned. So he actually had to kill the first animals and use their skin as covering for them. And this proves that only by blood sacrifice, which 
don't get me wrong by this either. Um, there has to be an atonement. The Bible says the wages of, of sin is death. There has to be a price paid for sin. And Jesus took that. He was our, our, his death was our price. And I believe that God wants us, and Jesus wants us to have a relationship. Only, the Bible says only through him can we regain our entry to heaven. It's the only way to get that fellowship back with God is through Christ Jesus. And all Jesus wants is fellowship. He wants to reach out and comfort you when you're lost, when you're lonely, when you're sad, upset. Usually he's the first person that we need to run to and sometimes he's the last we do. He's there for you. He wants to be your sanctuary. This isn't entirely the way I wanted this to go tonight, and I kind of uh, got lost along the way. Um, Just something to think about during this week, Uh, something to challenge yourself, just to kind of uh, look into it. Look into what you believe. What does Jesus mean to you? Um, If you don't know Jesus, you don't have that one-on-one relationship, if you're not able to go to him when you need something, when you need someone uh, to talk to, and I know it kind of sounds silly in some ways, but the more you dive into fellowshipping with Jesus and God, uh, the more you're going to hear his voice. And it's not always an audible voice. It's um, Sometimes it can be. But most of the time, it's getting somewhere where you're able to quiet your own mind and your own spirit. And to be able to listen. Well, just think about it this week, um, about what God, or I'm sorry, what Jesus means to you. We are, Most of us know the story of him dying on the cross and he lived a perfect, sinless life. Um, but what is he to you? Is he your sanctuary? Do you run to him? Do you tell him about your day? Do you thank him for your day? Just something to think about along the way. Um, I'm going to play some music and we're just going to kind of slowly fade out. Uh, Don't have a lot more to talk about. So we're just going to sit back and 
took a while.
Lean in the sovereignty 